Giles Paley Phillips is probably best known for his illustrated children's books, which have sold tens of thousands of copies and are hugely popular. But his latest book, 152 Days, is aimed at a slightly older audience. Written in verse, it's about a young boy whose mother is dying in hospital, but he can't go to visit her because he has an illness himself. And that resonates, I'm sure, with many people who are experiencing um, the hospitalisation of a loved one during these strange COVID-19 lockdown days that we're experiencing at the moment. And I wanted to talk to Giles about um, this story, about some of the things in it which resonated with me as well, and some of the things in there which tend to touch on things like topics such as mindfulness, and there's Zen, there's Taoism, as I go into with with Giles. But there's also something else I wanted to talk to him about. Um, he talks a lot about kindness and compassion. If you follow him on Twitter, his uh, his Twitter handle is Eli is 10, D-E-R 10. Uh, you will know that he talks about compassion, about being kind to one another. And I wanted to talk to him about how important kindness is, especially in these days where we seem to be more divided and polarised as a world than ever before. And I wanted to talk to him about how important compassion is, both personally in living our own lives and as in, uh, on a wider scale, moving people forward, moving us forward as a, a species, if you like. Uh, we talk about a lot of topics um, and we cover a lot of things uh, relating to his book and relating to his other activities. He's also the host, co-host of uh, a podcast called A Little Bit of Positive and another podcast called um, The Blank Podcast. Check them out because they have some amazing guests and they talk, to some amazing, uh, talk about some amazing topics. Um, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, check him out. Again, the best place to look for him is Twitter. So that's Eli is 10 D-E-R-10, the number 10. And uh, also check my stuff out as well. I'm also on Instagram. I'm Chris Brock Being Better. This is, after all, the Chris Brock Being Better podcast. And I'm on Twitter, Chris Brock. And you can find out more about my writing and my work on my website at chrisbrock.uk. And if you sign up to my newsletter, you can get a copy of my latest book for free. So go to the website, check it out. And in the meantime, enjoy this interview, this conversation with the compassionate and kind and very talented Giles Paley Phillips. So Giles Paley Phillips, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me today. Um, I really appreciate it because you're probably very, very busy, I should imagine, at the moment with um, a new book has just come out, uh, 152 Days. Um, and I was hoping, we were going to kind of talk about kindness and stuff like that, but there are a few themes in the book that I thought maybe we could just touch on or a few things that resonated with me anyway. Um, mm. But mainly the theme of this is about kind of kindness and being a bit kinder about how we go about things. And um, I appreciate you might hear my little daughter in the background because we're locked down under COVID conditions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Well, wants... I've got two two slightly older children downstairs um, playing with various things. And also the cats just appeared in here as well. So all sorts of distractions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a live event, isn't it? We've got yeah, it is. Yeah, audience, yeah. we've got everything going on. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I follow you on Twitter. Um, you host a uh, podcast with Julia Bradbury called... Um, a little bit of positive mm. um, and you're very much about encouraging people uh, focusing on all the good stuff that's going on sharing a bit of love that kind of thing um, 
Uh, I mean, where does this come from? Because I know at the moment there's a lot to be angry about. There's a lot to be fed up about. There's a lot to be kind of frustrated about. Is this is this something that you're intentionally working on, or is it? Um, why do you think we need it right now? Uh, well, I mean, I think we we need it more than ever at the moment. Just because, like you say, because we're going through such a such turmoil globally as well, not just yeah. nationally. So I think I think for me, kindness and Kindness rather than positivity. Now, there's, yeah. I think there's been in recent weeks people have been saying about the sort of um, the negative sides of just this kind of positive outfit. So I, I'm wary around the positive thing, but certainly kindness um, and compassion and empathy, those things, I think we've seen a lack of that from, again, globally from, from, from leaders in countries, um, certainly. I think so politically, and we're more sort of divided more than ever with, you know, what's going on with... So we've had Brexit and the stuff in America with Trump. So I think, you know, we're polarized yeah. um, in, in, in most countries. We, we've got this polarization and, you know, there's been the rise of populism and stuff like that. So I think it's just a very dark time at the moment. And obviously we've been going through a pandemic. Um, and in lots of ways that's brought people together. We've seen a lot more togetherness and compassion. You know, we've been out on Thursday evenings clapping our NHS workers and key workers. And we've, We've been giving more airtime to to people who do so much that we don't ever, we've never really sort of we've taken for granted in the past. You know, like like we say, like key workers in the NHS. And so, I think yeah, it, my for me the kindness thing I've been doing. You know, it's not something I've been doing. Like it's not a like a, a remit or anything. It's just inherently being part of you know who I am. Um, I had a you know a difficult upbringing. Lost my mum was very young, and um, had a father who had um, difficulties with alcoholism and stuff. So I've you know been through some difficult times in my life. But one thing that you know from that time and from and now is that I've always had this sort of uh, leaning towards compassion and empathy. Uh, it's always been a big part of my life. I spent a lot of time with my my grandparents when I was younger and. Certainly a lot of that comes from my maternal grandmother. She was incredibly uh, thoughtful and compassionate. And I think that's always rubbed off on me. And it's just, yeah, I think there's so much um, darkness in the world. But for me, um, I just want to put a bit more light in there if I can. And, you know, I, I use social media as a tool to do that. But also, you know, it's just part of who I am. You know, I'm, I'm, try every day to be kind and compassionate as much as I can. So yeah, so it's inherently in me, but also it's something that I've started to uh, share more regularly on, on social media. I, um, I do a lot of kind of meditation, a lot of, a lot of these podcasts, I talk to people about kind of mindfulness and stuff like that. Mm. And there's a, there's a type of meditation called loving kindness meditation. So meta mm. meditation. And for ages, I didn't really get what it was about because you're supposed to send out these kind of loving healing kind of thoughts out to people you're close to then also to the people you're not so close to and then ultimately to everybody and I, I was kind of thinking to myself well what difference does it make you know they're still going to go on doing these things but actually you know being horrible or they you know it's not going to actually impact them in any way but actually the whole point of it is to impact yourself so you become yeah. a much more loving person do you think that's when, when you're going out there and encouraging people to be more kind and more thoughtful and more compassionate do you think it is because you're trying to invite more of that into your own life do you think it's a kind of almost like your own well-being practice for yourself 
Yeah, I think there's something to be said in that for sure. Um, there's a book I read by um, a lady called Caroline Millington called Kindfulness, yeah, which is God. about, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a great book and it is about self care really and yeah. how being, you know, and, and using kindness for that as well. And I think there is an element of that for sure. I mean, it makes, you know, it, if you say something kind to someone or you reach out to someone or you're compassionate to someone, then yes, it gives you a feeling of wellness and well-being, and it, you know, and those oxytocin levels that that other person will receive, you get that as well. So there is that, you know, there is chemical, you know, a chemical change in us when we're kind. So I think there's a yeah, if you, there is a, an extent there is there is that notion for sure. Um, but also, yeah, I just think I don't know. For me, I guess it's such an inherent part of my life. I've always. I can't imagine being any different. So although I try and promote this stuff, it is, yeah. I would say it's definitely an inherent part of my personality as well. Um, and not something I can, you know, you know, I wouldn't want to change it, but it's not something I, you know, do you think I actively do. If you're, if you are kind of embracing a kind of compassionate and kind approach, mm. do you think that, you can still balance that with the kind of assertiveness you need to, in order to get ahead. Cause there's, there's often seen as, you know, the leaders and winners are these kind of aggressive people who go out mm. there and they smash the competition and, you know, can you be a gentle leader? Is it possible? You know, you look at, you look at sort of the current Western politics. It's very mm. aggressive. It's very much kind of, you know, we, we must be, divided we must build our walls we must you know not back down in the face of these protesters and all this kind of stuff is there is there room for a kind of a gentle more gentle approach to leadership is it even possible in the face of that kind of competition do you think is it possible um i don't want to be cynical but probably not yeah i think uh, again it goes back i think you know anthropologically we are negative we have a negative mindset um because we are fearful you yeah, we're looking and, out for the, the dangers in the jungle exactly yeah so it's all those things i've talked about this quite a lot on various podcasts but yeah it's it is it's that inherent thing and often i think the political discussion is focused towards more fearful messaging yeah. and so i think often we do and and, and the idea and when we're seeing it at the moment with Trump and he keeps posting law and order and it's all about law and order and it's that power and it's um it's aggressive and angry and that stokes a certain side of us would I like to see more compassion of course um absolutely tenfold and I think if we had more compassion within politics and the way we govern I think we'd you know we'd get an awful lot more done um but yeah I, I I, f I fear that unfortunately we, we might not ever get to that that place um as much as you know you know like in this country as much as like mps will say that they are compassionate and and want to do the best for people there's there's always that sort of cynicism in me within it that I, you know i can't some sometimes can't see that you know? yeah i mean i i do try and um have this conversation with myself that you know i'm i'm really left lefty mm. I'm, I'm not even me too. I don't, I don't believe in party politics necessarily because it becomes about who's right rather than what's right. Yeah. So I, I kind of believe in just good, solid, compassionate values. But at the same time, when I, I, I look at sort of a conservative 
for example, someone like Jacob Rees-Mogg or something. And I, I think to myself, they can't be evil. As much as my kind of left-wing yeah. programming has conditioned me to say, anyone who's a Tory, it must be evil and, and kind of yeah. inhumane. They must still be, there, mu there must be decent people over there, you know, but with opposing views. And it's, it's getting that balance of understanding because if, if you go mm. on, I mean, you must have seen this on Twitter, you know, you've got the left and they're raging at the right and the right are raging at the left. And it's like, well, you would say that because you're a Tory or you're, a, mm. you're an evil lefty, you know, and the conversation goes nowhere. But how do you, how do you move forward personally when you've got so many people to rage about? How, how do you find that sort of, how do you let go enough to be compassionate and understanding when we are what? Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we see a lot of that, um, that aggression and that, um, those strong feelings on social media more than we'd probably do in, you know, real life to a certain extent. You know, I think we, you know, we can have heated discussions with each other, but we see it much more viscerally on, on social media. I think you have to realize that nothing is binary. There is always nuance. Um, and that's something we've lost along the way. Again, with social media, it's kind of polarised. You're either on one side or the other. Um, and that's something that I think we need to engage with more, that you know, nothing is black and white. There are grey areas for everything. And I think that's something I try and engage with and see. I think it's good to understand and listen to people. I think listening is something that we don't do enough of. We, we berate people. We don't listen. But I think listening will help, would help, certainly. So, yeah, I think those, those two kind of things, listening more to what, you know, I think we need to listen when things happen, like Brexit and stuff. We need to listen yeah. to why people decided to, to vote for that. I didn't agree with it. I wanted to stay in Europe. But you, we have to kind of understand why other people didn't, you know, and an awful lot yeah. of people didn't. So I think it's, yeah, finding out and asking those questions um, rather than sort of berating people for their choices, um, I think, yeah, asking ask, asking more questions and, and listening and yeah and 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 realizing that you know uh, it's not a football match we're not like the, you know opposing fans we you know there's a there's this, the huge gray area and a nuance that we need to sort of acknowledge more i think that's another thing that i think for me i have to try and i'm not always good at it you know i'm you know i put up anti-trump posts on social media as, yeah. as everybody else does um so I I, it's something I need to work on as well, you know. Yeah. I, I, um, there was a, a, a very clever American writer, and I completely forget in the moment who it was, but they, they said, you know, whenever we're faced with someone who is angry or who is trying to divide us or trying to kind of, you know, tear us apart and create a fight of some sort, we need to kind of ask, or at least in our heads, ask ourselves of them, where does it hurt? You know, what pain is this? coming mm. from you know and i kind of think that about brexit where where is the pain of that where is that mm. coming from and similarly in america you know a lot of people working class people and here in the, the uk and all over the world you know there are people who are having their their kind of discontent weaponized against them you know in, in order to drive political gain and that kind of thing mm. Mm. and if we were just to sort of say where does it hurt you know where are you really feeling the, yeah. the pain rather than who should we blame for that who should we get yeah. blame, you know I think that's really quite important but um yeah maybe maybe on a wider scale compassion does need a bit more bite you know there needs to be a bit of kind of assertiveness in order to drive change globally but but personally when you have a kind of a compassionate and empathic approach to life 
do you think you're on the back foot? Do you think that you're, you're kind of going to miss out on some of the opportunities that you might have if you were more aggressive in the way you tackled things, career, you know, relationships, whatever? Um, I think I have to live my life how I live it. I mean, I think it would be, um, disingenuous to say that I, I've got to where I am, um, without doing the things that is being the way I am. Like, I think if, if, if I'd approached things in a different way, I wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been me doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, um, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, it, it would have been a, a bastardized version of me, you know, trying to get somewhere. And I don't think I don't, you know, I can't say for sure whether I would have succeeded any better by being, being more aggressive or being, I don't know, more bloody minded or whatever it might be. You know, I've always tried to be um, helpful, useful. Um, and for me, making stuff or creating stuff has always been about, um, I think I put a post up the other day about this, actually. It's always been about just trying to touch people in a way, you know, that, that, that make their days better or their lives better. Or, you know, it's always about that kind of thing. And I think it's never been about necessary for me. It's not about being the best at something. It's just about being able to connect with a few people yeah. through, through what I do. And I think that's more has always been more important um, than actually... Um, being the best or being perfect or anything like that. So, yeah, I suppose yeah. it's. Um, I've, I've spoken to several people on the podcast, and it, and it ranges from, you know, the same message comes from people whether they're Buddhist monks or whether they're entrepreneurs, and it's it's your path has to be aligned with your values. Yeah. So if you you know I've spoken to so many people who have gone on made a load of money in the city, but then had a breakdown because they realised this is not what they actually want anymore you know this whole idea yeah. about getting a good job and having a good career and buying a house and then you get to 40 and you realize hang on a minute what have i actually achieved with my life why am i so unhappy yeah. you know um but i, I suppose you've followed a, a pretty decent um path of your own because you've written what is it 11 children's books now uh i think it's 10 i think it's 10, 10. Okay. Yeah, and you just quite a few. it's not bad going actually. So, yeah, yeah. And from my research, um, one of them has sold 70,000 copies. Is that right? Yeah, The Fierce and Beastie, which is my first picture book that came yeah. out. Um, yeah, it's quite a dark little kind of grim sort of style fairy tale about a, a monster that um terrorizes the small village and eats the incumbents, <laughs> and then um, he uh, he meets his match in the in one of the children's grannies, um, who's who's who has a penchant for axes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of these great books. When you read it, when I read it in public at libraries and bookshops and stuff, yeah. you get this awful gasp from parents <laughs> when, they, when, yeah, and then when when they see this. There's a page with a quite a graphic. It was not a graphic, but he's chopping the the, the beast in two, and um, the kids revel in it. It's always yeah. a really nice moment when the parents are like, oh, don't think we want like to get this book. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Like the twits and... Uh... Yeah, exactly. It's an old school style of storytelling, which is a bit sort of dark and grim. And yeah, um, yeah kids really like it. So. But your, your most recent book is 152 Days, which is, is it semi-autobiographical? Is it completely... Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, very. I mean, yes, yeah, semi-autobiographical. There are fictional elements to it, but a lot of it is, you know, based on 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 real scenes in my life, really. And and certainly, uh, the feelings within it are, are very much my own. But it's very resonant with a time where I, I won't give the whole story away. But there's mm. um, a young boy, and his mother is very ill in hospital. But he's also very ill. Um, and because of his illness, he can't go to see his mother in hospital. And that must be resonating with people who, due to COVID-19, have yeah. people in hospital that they can't go and visit because they've got a temperature or whatever it is. Mm. And, I mean, have you had a lot of feedback from people who are going through this at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it was incredibly ironic that it just came out like literally a couple of weeks before we went into lockdown. and. Yeah kind of you know i just didn't think about it having this you know having this thing i mean yeah the 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 protagonist is isolated away from his his mother who's going through sort of um chemotherapy and stuff so he can't see her yeah because um, he's had a bout of pneumonia himself so he's he's had an illness and he's getting physiotherapy to help him deal with that so he, and he knows he's like in in the same hospital as his mum, but he can't go and see her so there's a lot of echoes of what's been going on yeah and i have had messages from people some people saying they found it very difficult to read the book because they'd had similar experiences themselves or they, you know, obviously touched a lot of people who've been through, um, who've had um, parents or yeah. loved ones who've gone, going through terminal illness. So it's, you know, it's, I think, you know, it's been, it has really, I knew it would resonate with a lot of people, but it surprised me how many people it's resonated with. Was it difficult for you to write? Because obviously you've mentioned already that your mother died when you were quite young. I mean, how much of this was kind of therapy for you writing this? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very cathartic. I know um, it's kind of a cliche to say that, but it, it really was. I mean, I started writing it many years ago and yeah. it's sort of gone through very different phases um, in its lifespan as, as a project. Um, but yeah, and I was really, I mean, obviously the book's written in verse, so that was something that was really important to me because I wanted to convey those emotions in a sort of more lyrical way. Um, so that why, was really why important was that? to me. Why did you? Well, I I thought it would be a better way of of showing. I really wanted the book to be um, less. I didn't want it to be prose heavy. I wanted to describe scenes in very limited sort of sentences to yeah. make it very sort of stark. And really, yeah, just really key in on those emotions and those moments of emotions. And I felt that verse poetry, you know, as, as, a, as opposed to prose, I, I could do, convey that better. Um, and I love writing in that style anyway. It's always been something that I've, you know, I love poetry. And I think writing a verse novel was also something I wanted to do. So it's really important for me to do that. I mean, it's, re it's really interesting because if I can, because I'm, I'm a writer as well, and if I can write something in the most long and convoluted way possible to describe something, I will absolutely use 5,000 words instead of, you know, 20 words. Yeah, yeah. You've gone the other way. And it, I found it really actually quite effective in, in create, creating the scene because you are, I mean, there's, um, there's one bit where uh, the lad is really just unhappy with his life. And he says, uh, my mum is really ill, my dad is never here, and I don't want a cup of tea. And it's just, there's something very emotional about that that I thought was just a, a very, just a very clever way of, um, uh, of dealing with it. But a lot of this resonated with me. I mean, my, um, my dad was an alcoholic as well, and he struggled a lot with that. Uh, but I also struggled with this kind of constant raging 
thought process that kind of goes on, especially when you're a teenager and you don't really know what's going on. You, your mind is racing all the time and you, and you depict that very well. Sort of, you, you kind of say, alone with my mind, alone with my thoughts, and they attack me like a disease attacks. And, and then other things as well, I am the eggshell that no one wants to walk on. That, that to me seems like a very British thing of this whole kind of, you know, there's an issue, there's a, there's a kind of elephant in the room but people would rather walk around it than, than, you know, deal with that. Do you, do you think that's a, a very British thing about emotions in general? Do you think we're scared of talking about how we feel? I think we find it difficult to deal with teenagers sometimes. Yeah. I think, um, as, as a parent, just starting on that journey, my, my eldest is just 10, 13. So um, although he's, he's, he's a good lad actually, but yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's a really tricky time in life, isn't it? You know, I kind of remember when I was particularly writing the book, going back and remembering those angsty times and when you're trying to sort of figure out your own life and obviously the, the you know, the protagonist in the book is dealing with all that other stuff as well, all yeah. that other baggage. Um, and he is kind of baggage to everybody else in a way, you know, like, I mean, in thinking in the book, he, he he's kind of like, so I think there's those sort of elements of, of, of yeah that tiptoeing around i don't know if it's inherently a british thing but i think we aren't i guess as a nation we've all, we're always a bit more tight-lipped we're always a little bit more yeah. stiff upper lip and all that kind of stuff and chin up do you think up we, and all that kind of stuff i mean when we're talking about compassion and um mm. being more empathic towards other people do you think if we weren't to be if we were more open about dealing with our own feelings you know um rather than being the eggshells that we we don't want to walk on ourselves mm. Um, because I spent years kind of pretending I was okay when actually I wasn't, you know, and I, th I think a lot of people do, you know, there's, like you say, a stiff upper lip. Do you think if we could get past that, we'd actually be a bit more compassionate towards one another? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we just don't, yeah. I mean, we're getting better. I think we're being more open about our mental health, for example, but I think, yeah, talking in general, um, we tend to just keep to within our four walls at home. Um, and to very people that are very close to us, whereas we you know I think we could probably afford ourselves to to talk more openly you know to to to, to wider you know like and I think social media people starting to be a bit more open about how they are and how they're feeling um, I certainly try and do that myself to 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 show you know to empathize with other people that are going through those particular things so that you've got that you know because often you know for some people they do feel alone in their own thoughts and their own fears and anxieties and you know, they, they, it's good, you know, it's good to see people like Matt Haig as well. You know, there's other yeah. people that are very open about how they've, the stuff that's gone in, on in their lives. And I think that, I think you're right. I think it will, I think it will lead to us being more compassionate as a, as a society. Um, if we can, you know, we can feel each other's pain a bit more. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing, um, someone once said that, you know, we see our own lives in high definition, but we see everyone else in very much kind of two dimensions, you know, it's really low definition. And I remember hearing a, um, someone interviewed Barack Obama and he, he was saying, you know, what you don't, what you have to understand is that these people are opposite you with their opposing views. They still love their children. They still go home and sort of cook dinner for their kids every night. They still worry about how they're going to pay mm -hmm. the bills. You know, they have all the same problems as you. And, you know, but yet it, it's so much easier for us to kind of simplify everything by making this person the enemy or, you know, these people in the yeah. dinghy coming over the water are not really human, you know, in some way. But, uh, you know, I think maybe if we can open up about our own, our own kind of humanity a bit more, 
and not even see that as kind of a cry for help. I've tried to kind of share share my bad days sometimes on social media, <clears throat> and I get deluged by people saying, "Oh, are you okay? Don't worry, it's all going to be fine." And that's kind of not the reaction I want. I'm just kind of documenting the process here. Yeah, yeah, same, same. But, uh, it's quite interesting, but. Um, at the end of the end of the book, 152 days, there is a line that really resonated with me. Sometimes you have to go so far away in order to come back again. And do you think that that is the the kind of key to unlocking our our real selves? You know, you have to kind of get past all this pretense and break it all down sometimes, you know, in order to come back and live a more fulfilled life, maybe. I think in some ways that line, I guess, is, is, you know, is the process the book took me on a little bit. You know, I had to go delve into a lot of memories and, and, and feelings that, that were particularly hard. And I think it was it was a journey and I, I think it was one that I needed to take. You know, it was one it was, you know, very much an important one for me to take. And, and I think that line sort of stems from that journey, really. That Yeah. yeah and I had to go in, had to go dig dig and lean into some difficult moments um and actually you know and, and that came you know a lot of those came to the fore when writing it so i think i think you're right i think yeah you do i think people do possibly need to go sometimes you need to go to the edge to sort of step back from the edge a little bit um and it, certainly that was the case for me do you think every trauma or every kind of negative experience needs to be faced because i know um i heard someone say once that you know even when we, we choose not to deal with things head on, we're still going to be dealing with them somehow. Yeah. And we can either choose to face it intentionally or it will come back and it will keep kind of affecting us one way or another. Do you think it's always healthy to face these kind of difficult memories and experiences? I think it has uh, certain elements have to be in place. I think, I think you need to be, you need to be in the right frame of mind to, to, to go in there yeah. I think it, it sometimes it would help to go alongside someone else so whether it's with a therapist or a psychiatrist or something that who can support you through that journey and that's important yeah um, so I think there needs to be an, a lot of elements in place I think diving in by yourself or forcing yourself into facing stuff I don't think that necessarily will have the right outcomes so I think lots of yeah lots of things need to align for it to be right for that person but I think, you know, long term, I think facing up to not facing up, that's not the right word to say, but de dealing or, 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 or speaking or talking about things that have, have happened in your life or, or feelings or whatever that you're going through. I think generally speaking, those you are better for it if you can have those, if you can express those feelings and, and thoughts. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, but I think, like I say, you need to be in the right it needs to be the right, the right things need to be in place for you to do that. Do you think that you can, that can be through art? So you said that this book was kind of like a therapy almost. Mm. What about the other, the other 10 children's books? Do you think there was a kind of a part of you, you know, the, ter the terrible beasties that are getting chopped up with axes. Do you think there's yeah. part of you coming out through those as well? Yeah, I think all the, all the stuff I've created, you know, I mean, I was in a band before I started writing and, you know, I used to write lyrics. Um, certainly that was loads of sort of like, you know, pain and angst and everything came out in those for sure. Um, that kind of led me into writing. So I think music, I've always used creativity as an outlet for sure. You know, like either playing guitar in a band or, or writing. 
Um, and, and now doing podcasts. I mean, I do put two podcasts, do the one with Julia Bradbury and I do one called Blank Podcast. And certainly like something we alluded to earlier about the fact that we are all so similar in, in the fact that we have all these neuroses and anxieties, doing Blank Podcast, talking to well-known people, successful people who you think have got it sorted and actually you find out that they're just the same as everybody yeah. else. That has been incredible, um, an incredible process. And, um, you know, has, has changed, changed the way I look at things a lot more has actually made me more compassionate and empathetic. I think has really sort of even exacerbated that side of my personality and has, has helped me. And, and Jim and I, who I do the podcast with, we know we say it's like therapy doing that podcast because we have these conversations and connecting with people and all those sort of things. So I think all the kind of creative projects that I've ever worked on have a slice of me in them and they have a slice of, of stuff I'm trying to say or trying to deal with, I guess. It's interesting that because, you know, I've always thought these kind of neuroses and these anxieties and these, these kind of hangups, if you like, they're, they're the kind of things that stop you from achieving, you know, I'm not mm. good enough or I can't do that. I'm not the kind of person who would ever achieve that. Or, you know, it's just not realistic, but there are people who have the same hangups, but they're kind of being fueled by this almost, you know, I, I, um, I, I met a guy once he was, he was the MD of a very uh, successful um, uh, company. And I said, what's your biggest fear? And he said, my biggest fear is failure. And I, I kind of thought, well, that's kind of my fear as well. But, that fear for me stops me even trying. Whereas for you, it stops you giving up almost. And and it's, it's funny how these things bubble up and sort of manifest in different ways. I mean, and encouraging, I guess as well is it's kind of empowering to know that, you know, some of these top people also have these issues if you like. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly um, comforting actually. It's really comforting um, because you, you know, you sit in a room with, I don't know, whoever it might be, um, some, you know, some huge Hollywood star, whatever it might be. Um, and they're telling you all the, the stuff that they've got going on in their minds. Think that's exactly how I think about stuff as well. I, yeah, I think, and I think you're right. I think it does sometimes fuel think things, you know, certainly I would, if I, you know, if I was being honest, it probably does fuel a lot of what I do. It makes me continue to do it as much as some days it's incredibly demoralizing yeah. and you know, you feel, really crap about um everything you're making or if it's not not, things are not working out you can you can feel it a lot more but at the same time yeah you still keep doing it so there must be something in there i think yeah and i mean i mean you said it took you what 10 years to write this latest book yeah i mean like i I think it was because i it was because it was such a tough kind of write i had to keep sort of coming away from it and you know and then and then it was like again, those feelings that we just talked about, like thinking, is, this, is anyone going to want to read this? Is this, this is, you know, this, this isn't very good. All those kind of stuff. I might, should I be writing this in verse? You know, all these kind of questions and, and, and sort of silly kind of arguments you have with yourself when you're creating stuff. Um, so uh, when you are, when you are creating stuff, how much of it is kind of adjusted and manipulated for the perceived audience and how much of it is you trying to be true to yourself and saying, it doesn't really matter what people think. Cause there's got to be a balance struck there, hasn't there? There has, but I really try hard to make stuff for me first. Yeah. So, and if anyone reads it or, or wants to listen to it or um, whatever it might be, then that is a massive bonus. So I, I really try hard to make something that is really um, from, from, you know, really from the heart, really honest and something that, um, I've enjoyed making yeah. and then if 
and then and then if something you know if something comes of it or you know because i've had lots of things that haven't come like you know i've written books that haven't been published i have written, you know i've made stuff that hasn't been listened to you know that happens a lot but you know uh i think for me it's always got to be um not about an audience first it's got to be about the work and and what yeah. you know what it what it says it has to be true to your yeah it has to be yeah it really does i think you know i've I've learned that over the years and actually it's actually a comfort now when i think well that's you know i can be really proud of that thing because that's how i wanted it to be and you know it doesn't matter if it didn't get published or it didn't you know in a way it's a comfort you know think well that was okay because that's the decisions i made about that thing and other people might think oh well you wanted you should have done it this way you should have done it that way was actually i wanted it to be like that but that's that's kind of life in general isn't it i mean i I always Mm. say this if you follow it what everyone else thinks you should do you end up living life according to their values and not exactly yeah and it's like wearing someone else's shoes you know they they kind of fit but eventually they take you somewhere you don't really Mm -hmm. know how you got there and you've got sore feet at the same time yeah 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 um do do you think you had to write those other 10 books before you could write and publish this one do you think those it was part of a wider process well, I think I, well, not, 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 um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think, um, I started writing the, the children's books because I, it, my son was born and wanted to write something for him. So, and the black, the band had split up and I was kind of in a creative kind of, um, downward spiral, I think, and trying to find other things to sort of pick me up it's happened quite a few times of actually when i've been in sort of like a a, a creative low i've moved to a different project so i mean the podcast started because i was having like a, i had problems right i wasn't writing anything and nothing was sort of getting i wasn't picking up anything from 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 publishers or anything. so and then i started doing the podcast so it that often happens with me like the band kind of sort of stopped and, and then i was looking for some other creative outlet so it's you know it's always been about moving and and carrying on moving and, and, and so I don't know really I mean I guess it's taught me it was useful to to know the industry that, that sort of side of stuff knowing how how making a book works and all that kind of thing I think that's been good and that's been a massive learning curve and something now that I try you know I like to pass on a lot of people message me on on social media and stuff about like how do you write a book how do you get a book out sort of stuff so it's it's nice to be able to pass on some of that knowledge. And that's, that was really good. So I think having that kind of industry education, the publishing world, yeah. that was, that was really useful. Um, I knew it was going to be difficult to get a publishing deal for that book. Um, and it, and it turned out it, it was that way, but yeah. So I think that, that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we did it through Unbound. So yeah, I mean, it was one of these really annoying thing. I, I remember I sent it first sent it to my agent. She said, oh, I love it. I think, I think it's really great, but, it's going to be really hard to get it published just because it's, it's very personal, obviously yeah. very um, super honest and um, it's in verse. Like who's, you know, yeah. it's not, you know, it's quite niche. Who, who's going to buy this kind of thing. And um, I thought, wow, someone, surely there'd be someone. And, um, and, and she was right. It was really, I mean, we, every editor we sent it to, we got really positive feedback and yeah, yeah we really like it. We love it. Uh, and then you go to a sales team and they said, no, we can't, what is never sell this yeah what is the we can't what's this um so yeah uh, which i know you know is quite normal I'm, I'm kind of used to that stuff anyway so so yeah it was hard but you know i was so desperate to get it out not not you know not like you know desperate i say desperate that's not 
probably the right word, but I really wanted, I really wanted people to read this story. So when we came across Unbound and, and they were doing, they're doing some great stuff and it was a, an opportunity to work with them and they, they really liked the book and we thought, well, let's, let's, let's give it a go. Um, you know, I'm really lucky. I've got, you know, I've got really, really lovely follow following base on, on Twitter and social and Facebook and Instagram. So, and people rallied around and, and, and supported yeah. the project. So that was, that was lovely. And I think, again, it's because the story resonated with a lot of people. I think people yeah, I think, I think read the story for that reason. There's something in there for a lot of people, I think, whether it's the, the kind of uh, mental health aspects or the family aspects or, you know, growing up in hard times, there's, there's all kinds of things going on in there. There's, it felt like there was even a touch of kind of mindfulness in there and, and, um, sort of being present in the moment there's, there's one paragraph and I, I won't keep quoting from the book because otherwise i'll give the whole well, that's thing. lovely it's very very kind of you i like it but there's um just where he says life is just a bunch of moments thoughts sights sounds and if there's something i know um no now though that i never did before is that every single one is precious and that really kind of it makes me think of it's very zen you know it's very zen it's very kind of taoist there's this kind of deep philosophical element to it which I, cl- I clearly thought you know you've read widely in the the kind of spiritual texts uh, in this- <laughs> i wish i had no i'm afraid not that's just from me but um i think again like writing the book caused those things like just thinking i mean i mean you know like those moments and i think i was just thinking like this is a moment this is a moment writing the book's a moment like and the, all these all these pages are moments you know there are moments um yeah and and I think that that's kind of yeah, uh, something that stayed with me really. This this idea of you know we are everything's just a bunch of moments, and you know there are good ones and there are bad ones. Um, but yeah, I, I am someone that tries to stay in the present. I'm not a although like obviously we're talking about a book that deals with a lot of my past. I tend not to sort of try and stay in that that um, time frame too much, and I I certainly don't don't look too far ahead if I can, because uh, I feel that, that that causes too much anxiety. Yeah. Um, the past is causes depression and, <laughs> and, and the future causes anxiety. So to stay a bit more in the middle in the present, I can sort of stay a bit more rounded and, and yeah. hopefully be the best me really. Well, I mean, this touches on Buddhism, like I said, Zen, there's Taoism in there. It's all very, um, you know, well, it's the, very lovely to describe yeah, it that way. Masters would be very <laughs> proud of the, you know, very pleased with the book you've written there as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's true. Who was it? I can't remember who it was, but someone said, someone very clever a uh, hundred years ago said, um, uh, what is it? It's um, pay attention to the small things because eventually they'll become the big things, you know, and it's all that, you know, like the washing machine wasn't there when you went home that day. And then, you know, grandma grab, bought, bought it again with her winnings, you know, and it's just, yeah simple things like that you know who remembers their washing machines growing up but they're they're part of our lives and it's those things that are where the texture comes from and the real kind of beauty of living almost so but yeah no uh, i really enjoyed the book it's very e- easy thank you um but also very um uh very touching you know you really get a sense of what's going on very simply and easily and i, I think there's a no wonder it took 10 years because it's you know that kind of simplicity is actually very hard to achieve i should have mentioned but um thank yeah. you i really appreciate those kind words thank you no well, no thank you for writing it and putting it out there because i think yeah there's so much there for everyone but um but i, I won't keep you much longer because i know you are 
very busy and you've got children and you've got books and you've got two podcasts and everything else. (laughs) But if people want to find out more about kind of what you do and the work you, the the works you you've produced and all this kind of stuff, where's the best place to go? Do you have a a main website or just social media or? No, I never did like a website thing. I I think I had a blog once, but it's probably lying dormant somewhere. No, I mean, social media is the best place to find me and you can find me at um, Eli is tender 10. So that's E L I I S T E N D E R one zero. And yeah, you could. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. And you can find me on that with that. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, you should get and Twitter, obviously. And Twitter is probably where I hang out the most. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm always up for talking to people. So yeah, if you if anyone wants to get in touch, please do. Fantastic. And I, I suppose the kind of takeaway from this is just don't be afraid to be a bit more human and to see other people as human too. Be a bit more understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that no, that's that's definitely what I'm trying to be a bit about. Um and also re- like reconnecting, I think. Reconnecting. I think we lose connections. I think actually in some ways the lockdown made us kind of reconnect with people a little bit more. We started zooming with people more regularly because we couldn't see them. Probably we saw people more than we usually do. So it was really nice. And that reconnection, I'm always sort of promoting maybe getting in touch with people we haven't seen for a while and having those reconnections because that's a wonderful feeling when you get a message out of the blue from someone and that, you know, to know that you're being thought of. Yeah, that's a really that's a really special thing. And I think if you can do that for someone, even if you don't always get a reply straight away, I think just in the knowledge that you've you've done that, I think is is a really lovely thing. So that's that's something I'm really keen to promote. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, there is a, a kind of world out there of people just like us, you know, just like you, me, like everyone else who are going through the daily trials and tribulations of just getting by sometimes which is hard enough you know so um yeah it doesn't hurt to reach out once in a while no it really doesn't and yeah even if it's even if it's just smiling at someone in the street i think they, those little little random acts of kindness isn't it they, they they make such a big difference well it's funny because i always i always talk about the energy you put into life is the energy you get back and a, an example i use is kind of smiling at people you know even if you just smile at someone in the shop occasionally someone will smile back but if you go around with a scowl all day and you're grumpy and miserable no one's going to smile back at you so um, no and that's kind of how i i see life working you know if you go out there with a positive attitude and a good energy it will come back to you so absolutely yeah yeah i'm all for that as well yeah definitely yeah no i totally agree with that well thank you so much i really appreciate your time no thanks for thanks for having me on i really appreciate it and thanks for the book as well it um it uh, resonated with me on a lot lot of ways i think I can imagine it could be quite hard reading for people, but ultimately it's um, just about being about being human, I guess. So. Yeah. And I do try to say to people, yeah, if they're, you know, if you're, if you're going through something at the moment, that's, you know, you need to be in the right frame of mind, I think, to read it. I don't want to. Yeah. It's a very moving, so thank you so much for that. And uh, no, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with me and Giles Paley Phillips. Check out his book, um, 152 Days. Uh, it's a, a, a very 
a very moving and very powerful book. Um, and like I said, you can find out more about him. Just follow him on Twitter and there you'll find connections to his other activities, his uh, podcast, Blank Podcast, and a little bit of Positive that he hosts with Julia Bradbury. And uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. There's everything you need to know there. And that is Eli is 10 der one zero. All right, and you can find out more about my stuff at uh, www.chrisbrock.uk and I'm Chris Brock on Twitter and Chris Brock being better on Instagram. All right, until the next time, hope you enjoyed that and don't forget to subscribe, rate, do all the things, comment, make, leave nice comments, um, get my newsletter on my website, just basically just buy all my stuff and big me up to everyone you know. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week. Cheers.